There's a lot to say about the deliciousness of steaks, burgers, and kebabs, and the wonders of a summer cookout. But we figure, why go through all the trouble when beef can speak for itself? Just listen. Translation, beef. It's what's for dinner. Funded by beef farmers and ranchers. It's Wednesday, and tomorrow is the battle for the golden egg, and that must mean it is time for the Tracks Plus Friday Deep Dig. I'm in downtown Starkville. I'm Charlie Winfield. Bart Gregory, however, is in parts unknown today. Where are you, Bart, again? I am in Nassau, Bahamas, at the Baja Mar Resort with men's basketball. We play tomorrow night at the same time as the State Ole Miss game. Actually, we play at 8.30 your time, Charlie. And so I'll get a chance to watch the first half tomorrow night. And then Richard Williams and I will have it up on a computer screen sitting in between us. We're going to play in the ballroom of the Baja Mar Convention Center. And so there's a bunch of different teams down here. We've got the four men's teams. you got six women's basketball teams. I saw Stanford and Maryland and NC State and Anyway, yeah, busy time down here, fun time down here. I tell you what, I think the weather is a little bit better right now, and I'm sitting in a cabana overlooking the Caribbean right now, Charlie. I'm looking at two cruise ships, and I'm looking at a guy who um, is like me, should not be wearing a, uh, a swimsuit right now that's about 45 yards away from me. Not all heroes wear capes, right? Do you see Chloe Bibby, by the way? Yes, I uh, saw Chloe Bibby at a distance. Have not had a chance to speak with with her at all, and and I will talk to her now. I hate to say this, just I'll just be brutally honest right here. When uh, we got a couple dogs a few years ago, my uh, my daughters named one of our dogs Fitz after Nick Fitzgerald, and the other dog Chloe after Chloe Bibby. And so my daughter said, "Hey, I want you to show Chloe Bibby a picture of our dog named Chloe." You know, I probably have one of the more obscure dogs named after an MSU athlete. We had a cat once named Jarius that my daughter named. We had a bulldog once named Jolie. It was a female after Jolie Dunn. But we um, we have a dog named Lewis after basketball player Wendell Lewis. Probably wouldn't have guessed that one if we'd sat here a while, would you? Well, I was going to say Lewis Campbell, the old uh, linebacker coach under Sylvester Croom, but I, I was wrong there. Wendell, that's yeah, he, Wendell's a pretty good guy to have a pet named after. He was a decent dude. Remembered fondly within the Winfield house, if not the stat book. So it is our Tracks Plus Friday deep dig, and it's Wednesday. It's a virtual Friday. We've got that game on Thursday. And look, Bart, we could debate, and many have, the merits of playing this game on a Thursday whether it has the same power being on a Thursday that it used to, particularly when you have the Saints and the Cowboys going. But it's when the game's going to be played. And so from our standpoint, that's all purely academic. It's going to be our job to get into this football game. We are in our Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, check them out. Go see them at favorites.com. And look, these are the guys that can take care of you. They're right here in your local communities. They're in all 82 of Mississippi's counties. Shop the rates, but go there for the service, favorites.com. Go see our friends at Farm Bureau. Bart, get us started with your opening look about this ballgame. 
Well, here's the thing I think about, Charlie, is everybody's trying to play nice this year. And, hey, it's been somewhat refreshing, to be honest with you. And we knew that coming in with the relationships of Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. These two guys have you know, been a part of games before, especially on the West Coast. And I saw where Lane Kiffin came out the other day and said, hey, guys, I can't understand somebody hating the other person because somewhere uh, where somebody else went to school. And I understand all the nice things that are said. And it's just another game. We're preparing for it just like it's another game. Let's stop. This is not another game. This game is deep-seated. This game, and I'm not trying to be toxic, quote-unquote, as some newspapers have said this rivalry was. This, this rivalry has had a feud for a long, long time. And this game is very important to a lot of people. And so it's not just another game. This is an important football game. It has football ties with its importance this year. Ole Miss, if they win, they're probably locked into the Sugar Bowl. If Mississippi State can win, we're 8-4. and four. We're locked into a big-time bowl, top 25. You can see the production of Mike Leach and this team beginning to pick up and the expectations going into next season would be phenomenal if you can win this football game tomorrow night. So, it's not just another game. There are things that have gone on between these two schools. Whether we want to kiss and make up, that's perfectly fine. But there's a big time past in it, and this is not just another game. So, anybody who wants to dispel all these thoughts that this game doesn't mean anything, this is a big football game, and that's just fodder. All right. So, Bart Gregory, not one to ratchet down the rhetoric heading into the Egg Bowl. And I can respect that. I think there's I think there's something to that. Bart, it's kind of a big weekend for us. This is our, I guess we're going to a bowl game. Are we going to do this for the bowl game? This is at least our last regular season get-together. We'll preview the bowl game, won't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to take this. I mean, I've enjoyed this, Charlie, to be honest with you. And it's gotten harder as the year's gone on because you don't want to, you don't want to tell the same stat lines and the stat stories. And I hope I'm not doing this later on when we get into our, our three big numbers. But, man, I've enjoyed the heck out of this and you know, getting ready for these games. And the more I see this game on paper, the more I look at the matchups within the matchup, I really like our chances in this game tomorrow night. Spoken like somebody who is not a true state fan. True state fans know better. But anyway, I'd like to say a special thanks to our friends at Trax Plus. They've helped bring our program to you all season long. And, you know, they're our lead sponsor here on this Deep Dig show, and we appreciate those guys. Go see them. If you're in the forestry business, here's what I know. I'm not in the forestry business, but I'm amazed by what these things can do. Man, it looks like they could knock down a forest in an afternoon. I mean, they can turn... It's the stuff of nightmares, man. They can turn a tree into sawdust in a matter of moments. They've got some good stuff. And, uh, Bart, you know where to go see those guys. They're down in Columbus. They're down in Hickory, down in Louisiana. Even uh, they're expanding a plant too, right? They just continue to grow. And you start talking about the success stories of businesses throughout Mississippi, and this is one of them. What Trax Plus and Chris Weems and those guys have done to build that program or to build that industry down there, it's been simply fantastic about what they've done. And so, of course, Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton in Columbus, Ken Crosby in Hickory, Gresh Howell down in Summit Hoop Weems over in Alexandria, Louisiana. Those are the guys to go see. Whether you're looking for new or used equipment, it doesn't get any better with a service and just the nice friendships that you can gain from the fine folks at Trax Plus. Bart, were you a fan of The Godfather? I was very much a Godfather fan. 
Well, it was in Godfather 3 that Michael Corleone said, never hate your enemies, it affects your judgment. The thing about this ball game is that many of our views are clouded with emotion. They're clouded by hating our enemies. Whether it's personal animosity towards someone, whether it's experience, you know, whether it's that guy, and look, if you work in Jackson, you know this guy. There's going to be the guy who wants to show up in your office on Monday morning right about 7.55 when you're walking in from dropping the kids off just to talk, you know, just to talk through it. Not his fans, but, you know, just that casual smugness, kind of wanting to rub it in your face if they've won. The guy has no athleticism either, never has. You know the one. If you don't, you'll know about him Monday for our friends in Jackson if we were to lose this game. And don't be that guy if we win. But, you know, or maybe it's uh, you remember the wasn't trying to hurt your ankle as we're diving at them. You know, maybe you're just mad at Mother Nature because it blew a kick backwards. Maybe you got a crazy ex-wife who went to Ole Miss. You should have known better, or ex-husband as the case may be. But here's the thing. You can dislike them all you want, but when you do, it can cloud your view of this game. And so I think that's what is important about this show is that we kind of try to get into cold, hard facts and data and say, what do those say? Many years this game has been even coming in. But a lot of times it's been even because we're both bad football teams. Look, these are two good football teams, and Ole Miss is really good. They are a really good football team. You don't have to like it, but they are. And we're, look, we're playing a team that's old. They got a lot of COVID seniors. They're veterans. They're better coached than they used to be. But uh, I'll, I'll say this, too. Let me be clear. I don't want there to be any confusion. I would not trade our program and the path that is on with the path that theirs is on. We're not the ones dealing finally with talks about whether our coach is leaving or not. But I don't know if the trajectories have crossed yet. It's tough to deal with a veteran team. But I think this game comes down to little things. Can we handle the emotion of senior day? Can we handle the pace of play on offense? Where's Corral? This guy's got a bum ankle. How's he going to be tomorrow, particularly if he gets hit once or twice? Is he going to limit his ability to run? If they have to kick, you know, word is they're not going to have their field goal kicker. What's that going to do? They're going to go for it on fourth down. I think this is going to be the story. Who's going to win that battle? You know, last thing, Bart, you know, it might rain. And so what's that going to do? I thought as I was driving in this morning, the 1976 version of the movie Midway, Charlton Heston, Henry Fonda and the like, and there's a great line that starts the movie, and it says, it's talking about the battle, and to paraphrase, this game rather than the battle in that case. This game will exemplify the combination of planning, courage, error, and pure chance by which great events are often decided. These are two good football teams. It's going to come down to a couple of plays. It's going to come down to a lot of little things. I don't know the answer, but I think the important thing for us today, let's get into the numbers, let's get into the data, let's ignore the emotion, and that is my opening look at this football game. That was phenomenal, Charlie. You, like, really studied. I mean, you, you pull up, I have not seen Midway. And if I have, it's been a long time. And to be honest with you, it's been a long time since I've seen Godfather 3. I stop at the, after the first Godfather. I think you just can't get any better than the original. But, uh, but I gr- agree with you completely. I guess I'll jump into my numbers, and my first number is one. And you talked a moment ago about going for it on fourth down without your field goal kicker. 
to me, the first number is one, and we have to limit Ole Miss to being successful on just one fourth down in the game tomorrow. Now, Ole Miss in the last three games are just one for five going for it on fourth down. This is a team that's gone for it on fourth down 39 times this year, which is second most in the country. They converted 25 of the 39 times. But 73% of those were in the wins. In their losses, they're just three for nine, 33% on fourth down conversions. And so they haven't gone for it as much of late. They have not been as successful of late. And here's why I say fourth down is such a big key. To me, it's almost from a mental standpoint as well what that does to you to a defense. How many times you see a team go for it on fourth down and stay on the field? That just is a demoralizing play for a defense. And so I think we have to hold Ole Miss to just one fourth down conversion in the game tomorrow night. Well, I've got a feeling that one of my numbers, though a little bit different, is going to capture that very sentiment. I think that's going to be the story of the game. And you go back to being without a kicker, look, they may go for it five times. They've done that numerous times this year, uh, at least four that I know of that they've gone for it at least five times on fourth down in one game. Yeah, and they've left a lot of points off the board. They've taken a lot of points off the board by going for it deep. And I know with the analytics, and a lot of different people are talking about that word analytics, and we talk about it every week. But at the end of the day, sometimes in close games it's better to get points. And they've passed up opportunities to get points in some of these games. And so this is going to be interesting to see what they do in this game tomorrow night without that kicker. All right, so one's your first number. How about your second? My second number is two. I'm staying low with my first two numbers. My second number is two, and that's the maximum number of sacks that we can give up in this game. You know, Ole Miss comes into this game with 36 sacks on the season, which is ninth best in the country. Sam Williams himself has 10.5, which is an Ole Miss single-season record. So these guys can get to the quarterback. And to be honest with you, Charlie, that's been their best defense against the pass this year is getting pressure on quarterbacks. Tomorrow night, staying behind the chains, especially if the ball is wet. We can't be behind the chains. Sacks are going to be a big factor. We can't give up more than two. All right, I'll buy that one. All right, so – a one, a two, and then your third number. 450. I'm going low and I'm going high. And my number 450, this is not what we can get. This is not what we should get. This is not what we have to get. This is what we're going to get. 450 yards, and that's the passing for Will Rogers in this game tomorrow night. Last year, he had 440 yards against Ole Miss in this game. I think we have learned how to protect him. I think our wide receivers are playing as good as we have all season long. I think this offense is beginning to click. I don't think you're going to have emotion out of your quarterback and your wide receivers with it being a senior day. I think tomorrow night's the night where this offense really goes off. And I look for 450 yards through the air. Now, Conversely, if you're an Ole Miss guy, you're going to say our defense has only given up over 300 yards passing one time this year, and that was against Arkansas when Arkansas had 326. That's because teams know that they can run the football against Ole Miss and not have to rely on the pass. We know who we are. We're going after them. We're getting 450 yards in the air tomorrow night. I was looking back as you were – making that statement, Bart, and I was looking at the yards that Ole Miss has allowed, and the passing yards are always in the twos. And I was just about to say, wait a minute, take away Arkansas, nobody's throwing it that much on them. But then I go back, and you, I think, explain the reason. 
Vanderbilt had 213 yards rushing on this defense. Texas A&M, a team I can't figure out. I, I don't know what was going on with them. But even you go back to Liberty, Liberty rushed it for 284 on these guys. Alabama, that was the one I wanted to see probably not to compare our offense to Alabama, but Alabama was the team I'm thinking they can do what they want to do against Ole Miss. They rushed it for 210. They threw it for 241. So I guess my question is this. The teams that have beat Alabama, beat Ole Miss, rather, Auburn and Alabama, have both rushed the football for over 200 yards. They've thrown it for less than 300. Do you worry about the lack of balance and I know Mike Leach would come punch me if you heard me ask this question, but do you worry that that's the key to beating this team on defense is having multiple threats? Well, it, that that does bother you. It really does bother you because this is a, an Ole Miss defense, especially on the outside, that will come and get you with Sam Williams, and they are susceptible to running the football. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what we're going to do. Is it going to be very similar to what we saw with Arkansas? Are we going to have to run it a little bit more to loosen them up some? Uh, that's the question. Are you going to have to run it to loosen them some? To me, that's the only difference in my thought process. But, hey, we still threw it for over 400 yards against Arkansas with running it how we ran it. So I just think that in this game, just looking at the personnel and looking how we are, I think – we got a good chance to go over the 450 because here's the thing that people you know never talk about when it rains. Yes, it's hard to throw a football, but guys are going to be dusting off those footballs and drying them off after every play. Guys wear gloves now instead of the bare hands, and so that's not as big of a factor for a wide receiver. But I tell you what's still a factor. It's a defensive back not knowing where he's going and a wide receiver knowing where he's going. And so if you see slips and slides, a lot of times it's on the defensive side. And I just think we're going to have guys running all over the field and wide open. All right. Well, I'll take it. Let me give you a look at my three numbers. And, you know, we don't compare numbers beforehand because we don't like to pollute what the other is thinking. So one of my numbers is going to be very similar to your first number. My number is 33, and that is the percentage Let's go 33 and one-third percent conversion rate that I think we can allow on fourth down for Ole Miss. If you look within our league, nobody tries to convert more on third down than they do. They're 25 of 39 on the season. And I went back to my numbers to try to see where is that built? Where does that 25 of 39 come from? Five of five against Tulane. Three of three against Louisville. Four and six versus Austin P. Three for three versus LSU. So then look down at the games they lost, Auburn and Alabama. Auburn, they're one of four, Alabama two of five. The ones against Alabama, I think what really hurt them is where they were. Again, not all fourth down conversions created equally, but when you try to go for it on your own end of the field and don't get it, you're really helping a team, especially a team like Alabama. So all that to say, I think more than any game that we have ever played, this game tomorrow is about fourth down. And there's a mental aspect to that that I, I think I've over underrated rather over time. You know, it kind of wears on a defense. A lot of times, you know, we think if we hear those bells on third down, if we make a play, we're off the field. There's something that kind of wears at you a little bit about knowing the other team is going to be going, knowing you have to defend for four downs. It's an opportunity. It's also a threat. I think, though, we have to keep Ole Miss – under one to three. You know, basically, we can let them convert a third, not more. You said they can't get more than one. 
I'm looking at how many they do. For right now, for example, if you told me they were going six times and only converted two, I'll take it. So that's a look at my first number, similar to yours, you buy them where I'm coming from. Oh, I know exactly where you're coming from, Charlie. And I, and I agree with you. And the way that you state it is a lot better, to be honest with you, than the way I stated it. I said one just because they have not done it as much of late. Now, they may do it a little bit more. You know, as I said, you know, they've only gone for it on fourth down five times in the last three games, and they got just one. And so my thought is is they're probably going to go for it three times, and that's what I was looking for, one out of three. So that tells you right there, hey, we don't exchange notes. I'm in the Bahamas. You're in Starkville. I'd rather almost rather be in Starkville right now to watch this ball game tomorrow night. But I tell you what, we don't exchange it, and it's amazing how we think. The more we're around each other, Charlie, and that's a really scary point for you, the more that you're beginning to think like me. For long, I might be looking for land in rural Winston County. My second number is two. You're, you had two in the number of sacks. I have two in the number of turnovers I think we need to force. I think this game tomorrow comes down to somebody's going to get a stop. Somebody's defense is going to have to stop the other a couple of times to give their team a chance to win this. Here's what I look at with Ole Miss. They fumbled 14 times this year and only lost five. And you say, where does that stack up? We fumbled nine and lost seven. So the ball has bounced their way. They've fumbled six times in the past two weeks, haven't lost one. They've fumbled nine in the past five games, and they've lost only one. You look, how is their season different? You take that nine to one over the past five games and turn it into ours at nine to seven. It's a team that will put it on the ground. We need the ball to bounce our way. We need to get on those. We need two turnovers. Crowd doesn't throw picks. He just doesn't. And so – I'm not banking on any of those. You hope for one. You'd love to have one. But I think tomorrow we got to go pick up the football. They put it on the ground three times each the past two times out. Let's get a couple of those for us. So that's my second number. Well, and when you made that clarification right there, I was kind of wondering when you said we needed two turnovers and trying to bank on two turnovers of how you were going to get them because you clarified it at the end. Matt Corral is not a guy who turns it over throwing the football. Now, he may put it on the ground fumbling it, but as far as putting it in the air, out of his three interceptions this year, two have been on balls that have been thrown over 20 yards down the field. The other interception is between 10 and 19, and he throws a lot of balls in that intermediate behind the line in, 10, in zero to 10 yards down the field. He just does not have turnover-worthy plays at all. And so you can't come into this game – even if you put pressure on Matt Corral, because even Vanderbilt, they put pressure on him nine times. They blitzed him nine times. He completed seven out of nine passes on those blitz attempts. He's not a guy who's going to make mistakes in the passing game. That's where he's gotten better than years before. Last year, you could count on him at times to throw some balls up in the air. He's not doing that this year. If you're going to get the turnovers, it's like you just said, it's going to have to be coming on fumbles and on a wet night with a wet football that may be something you could see. All right, and my final number is one. That's how many more points we have to score than Ole Miss. And I don't yep. mean that to be funny, but here's the bottom line. We've said it all the time. And you know what? The history actually bears it out. You can throw the records out the window. We've seen underdogs win this game as many times as they lose it. Tomorrow's a pick em. It could go either way. Forget passing yards, forget turnovers, forget everything else. This is one of those where you just, by God, lock the doors and nobody's leaving until we won the thing. I don't care what you got to do. You just get it done. At the end of the day, we need one more dang point than them. 
So that's my final number. Yep, that's all we need, Charlie. That's all I want. That's all I care about. Just one extra point. I don't care. I don't care how that we get that extra point. I don't care if a guy has to hike his leg in the end zone to get the 15-yard personal foul and they miss the extra point. I don't care how we do it. I just want to win by one point. All right, so that's a look at our numbers. And now, as we always do, time to look at a couple of players from the opposing team. And, Bart, as we always do, why don't you get us started with your two players from the University of Mississippi. Well, my first one is going to be A.J. Finley. He's a safety, uh, number 21, a Mobile native. And the thing about A.J. Finley, Charlie, is he is a guy when teams are trying to throw the football, a lot of pressure comes on him. He had 11 tackles, the most he's had this season, and that was against Liberty you know, three weeks ago. Last week he had eight tackles against Vanderbilt. You look early in the year against Louisville, he had eight tackles. But here's the thing about him. He's had 12 missed tackles all season long in the secondary, and out of those 12, nine have come in the last four games. And so for us, and when you start thinking about about our passing game, and especially across the middle, who does that put pressure on? I think one of the big factors in the game is what kind of game does number 21 have tomorrow night for Ole Miss in A.J. Finley? Not just in coverage, but actually stopping and making tackles because he's missed some tackles here over the last month. And really, to me, that's the difference in Mississippi State's offense working or not is can your receivers force missed tackles? So that may be one of those matchups to look at, particularly as he works against guys operating out of the slot. So, all right, who's your next player? All right, my next player is number 54. He's the left guard, and his name is Caleb Warren, all right? And I'm going to be very, very careful with how I say what I'm about to say. Caleb Warren, I've known this kid since he was a young kid. I know his family. I went to school and graduated with his stepmother. This kid is from Louisville, Mississippi. They list him at 6'5 and 3'10, but he is a graduate of Nanawaya High School. And like I said, love this kid. He comes from a great family. But here's the thing about Caleb Warren at left guard. When you look at Ole Miss in their offensive line, Ben Brown, they lost him for the season at right guard. They're having to put Acker in there. He only started his first game two weeks ago. They've got a center that's been okay this season. It's going to be a big factor in how Mississippi State – in the middle gets pressure. Ole Miss has given up pressure in the middle, and especially when you look at that left guard spot where Caleb Warren has been for primarily the entire season. Now, he was hurt during some parts of the season, but teams have been able to get pressure coming up the middle against Ole Miss. That left guard position and Caleb Warren, when you start looking at all the the pressures of their quarterback this year, 18% have come from that left guard position. So the big key for Matt Corral is to have somebody in his face coming up the middle. I think that matchup with Nathan Pickering in the middle is going to be massive for Mississippi State in this game. So I think the big point of emphasis is at left guard with number 54. Great kid. I'm proud of him. I'm very invested in that Nanawaya community. I love it. I'm proud to be from there. And I'm proud when a kid from Nanawaya can go to a Division I school just like Chris Smith down at Louisiana who's had a heck of a career down there. But for Mississippi State to have success in this game, Nathan Pickering is going to have to have a good night against Caleb Warren, number 54. All right, well, let's look at your two guys. My first guy is number 11, Dontario Drummond. 
you know, you talk about Caleb Warren getting to see him play down at Nanawoya. I got to see Don Terrio Drummond play at East Mississippi Community College where he started many years ago. Don Terrio is a COVID senior. He's been around. And what I mean by that is this is his third year at Ole Miss after playing two years at junior college. He's big. He's 6'1", 220. He looks like a guy that ought to play on the outside, but they've been playing him in the slot, and that's gotten him some pretty favorable matchups. And the thing that's interesting about Drummond, at East Mississippi, he started slow. Now, he was on back-to-back JUCO National Championship teams there at 17 and 18. But in 17, was kind of slow. To the end of the year, all of a sudden, the guy goes for like 10 catches in the title game. He just kind of comes out of nowhere and then goes on to be a top recruit coming out after his sophomore year. Same kind of thing with his time at Ole Miss. In year one, he caught 13 passes. Year two, he caught 25 This year, he's caught 53 for 786 yards and eight touchdowns. Big guy, talented receiver. He's going to be working in the slot. Watch him in the middle. This is a guy who works the middle. And so I think about the Mississippi State defense, and I start thinking of Jalen Green. I start thinking of Colin Duncan. I start thinking guys back there at safety. Better have a good game because Dontario Drummond, a guy who is capable. You talk about the rain and who does it favor. This is a guy that can get past you. And he can run over you. So you definitely want good footing dealing with Ontario Drummond. So that's my first guy. Well, Charlie, going back to the point about against Arkansas and against Auburn in the first half, where did they have success? They had success in the middle of the field. And so how our safeties play. I talked a minute ago about A.J. Finley of Ole Miss and about how we can kind of exploit the middle for Ole Miss. That's going to be a big factor the other way. And I think it's one of the biggest factors of the game is how can we defend in the middle of the field against Ontario Drummond. So that's my first guy. And we talk about the interior. Let me give you a guy that's going to be working on the outside of the Ole Miss defense. You mentioned him a moment ago, Sam Williams. Another junior college guy played at Northeast. And this is a thing about this Ole Miss team, and people say, man, I don't know how this defense got better. Well, they got older. Sam Williams, another one of those guys who's a COVID senior, and he was a pretty good player, and now all of a sudden in that extra year, he's a dominant player. This guy, he's a defensive end, wears number seven. He's got 11 sacks this year. He's hit the quarterback seven more times. He has 34 hurries. And when you start digging through the grades, on defensive ends and pass rush. He's not Will Anderson overall as a defensive end, but he's a pretty good imitation. I mean, look, there is not a team in this league that he couldn't start for. Sam Williams is going to be the guy, and it goes back to the point that we made when we played Alabama. You don't get to choose who tries to block him, at least at some level. You certainly don't on the offensive line. Scott Lashley is going to have to deal with Sam Williams tomorrow. I would be surprised if he gets more than 10 snaps on Charles Cross's side of the field. I'd actually be surprised if he got more than five. They're going to work on the right side of that Mississippi State offensive line. So, question being, can you push him up the field and out so that you got a pocket to step up into? Are you going to have to use running backs to help on him a little bit? You talked, one of your numbers, Bart, don't allow more than two sacks. Stopping Sam Williams, keeping him from disrupting your ability to get into a pocket, your ability to get outside. Sam Williams is going to be a key in this football game. Talk about games within the game. Lashley versus Williams could go a long ways to deciding the outcome. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And you have got to figure out some way because when Will Rogers hits the eject button, 
when he gets outside of contain, Charlie, primarily where is it? It's going to his right. And so what does that mean? If you get pressure up the middle, sometimes you're going to hit that eject button with the the way you're facing, and you're going to be running right into Sam Williams. And so, yeah, he, he's a fast guy, and so that's going to be a big key in the game is how Scott Lashley can block him. All right, so that's a look at we've we got our three numbers out. We've done our two players. Now it's time for a coach. Well, and those two players brought to you by our great friends down at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Meat Packers, Country Meat Pleasing Sausage, Country Meat Packers down in Florence, Mississippi. It's a Mississippi-made product, and they don't do it any better anywhere else than the great folks with Henry Cooper and Cooper's Country Meat Packers in Florence, Mississippi. Charlie, the uh, the coach that I want to highlight is Derek Nix. And here's the thing I remember about Derek Nix. And I was going to say he was the running backs coach, but he's actually the wide receiver coach at Ole Miss. He spent 12 years as the running backs coach at Ole Miss, and now in his second season as the wide receiver coach. And, of course, I remember Derek Nix back when he used to play for Southern Miss. He was a great running back for Southern Miss you know, 20 years ago and uh, came up from Atala, Alabama. Of course, his brother is Tyrone Nix. You've got a, a big Ole Miss history there. Of course, Tyrone Nix played at Southern Miss as well. And so, Charlie, what's so interesting to me is when you start in a day of player development and a guy who was a running back in college who spent 12 years as a running backs coach and now he's a wide receiver coach, what does this tell you? They use him for recruiting purposes. He's not a guy that's about on-the-field coaching. This is his second year as a wide receiver coach. He's a running backs coach, and that's what he knows. And so, yeah, Derek Nix, a longtime recruiter at Ole Miss. They moved him around. He's still on the staff. But instead of being the running backs coach where he played in college, he is at wide receiver as the wide receiver coach. All right, so my coach for the University of Mississippi is D.J. Durkin. He is the co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. What's significant about Durkin? Well, it's significant that Ole Miss took a chance on hiring this guy. Durkin started his career coaching at Bowling Green, kind of bounced around. He had a little stint at Stanford, had a stint at Florida, was actually the interim head coach, coached the bowl game there in 2014. Then he goes to Michigan. So he's this guy who's been around some big-time programs, right, as a really young guy. Finds his way at Maryland, and he is there from 2016 to 2018 before he is let go. And he, they had a player who died during practice, and there was a lot of fallout from those things or died after a practice. But as a result, uh, there's always fallout from those type events. And basically the suggestion was there was a environment, a toxic culture. We talk about toxic rivalries, a toxic culture. Uh, based on fear, intimidation, having food used punitively so you can't be forced to eat or maybe being forced to overeat to the point of vomiting. There were a lot of things that came out of that situation at Maryland. He was a good football coach in terms of X's and O's. His player management, I think you could say, was questionable. He wasn't ultimately let go originally. Let me back up. He wasn't originally let go. He had a meeting with the team, and a number of the players just walked out. I mean, it was a team rebellion. So he ends up going to the Atlanta Falcons, working as a consultant for them, and then his next job being hired to come to the University of Mississippi. Culture aside, personality aside, the guy has taken a group of defenders who aren't that great, and he's made them better. And he's put together some good game plans. It's just one of those things – Sometimes you take a chance on a guy, 
and it works or it doesn't, this year at least, Ole Miss will never be confused with an elite defense. But I think D.J. Durkin can at least be said to have made them much better than they were. Yeah, it's no doubt. I mean, sometimes there are good coaches in this world. Been good. I mean, he has gotten their defense back to respectability because they had been so good, so bad for so long. Yeah, I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, he's put them in some good spots, uh, especially coming off of the, the long and terrible probation that they were on. And uh, they've got the defense going in the right direction. Now, they're going to lose a lot of big-time guys off that defense this year. And I want to be clear when I say this. There, if there's one thing you and I both know about being around sports, a lot of times the rumors, the stories, the complaints are garbage. They're just completely yeah. false. Sometimes there's some truth there. And I, I'm not passing any judgment whatsoever on his role or lack thereof in any events at the University of Maryland or the culture or anything else. What is significant to me about that is that they took a chance on a guy who had basically been placed into coaching exile as a consultant and um, can't speak to him. But what I can do is say the guy's gotten results. So that's a look at my coach, DJ Durkin. So now, Bart, it's time for the two-minute drill brought to us by our friends down at Two Brothers. If you haven't been down there, right there in the heart of the Cotton District, you should. It is that's the place to go. The thing about Two Brothers, and we've talked about this before, Two Brothers started as a small, small place. Like, you didn't really want to park. You just kind of looked in to see if you could get in the door. But if you could, you knew you were going to have a good day because the food was great. But now it has grown. They've got space indoors. they got space outdoors. And the food is phenomenal. They've got hamburgers. They've got smoked wings. They've got brisket. They've got my favorite, the tacos. If you haven't checked out Two Brothers, it's right there in University Drive. It's in the heart of the Cotton District. It is the place to go if you're down there. Try to do it at least once a week. So uh, hit them up uh, when you're here in town. So, Bart, you know the drill. Even though I am sitting poolside in a cabana at the Baja Mar Resort in the Bahamas, I'm going to hit the whistle, and I'm going to start the Two Brothers two-minute drill. You ready, Charlie? All right, in 2003, Ole Miss retired its mascot, Colonel Reb, due to its Confederate imagery. And after that, they almost had Admiral Akbar, if you remember that, the Star Wars character, but they settled on Rebel the Black Bear. But in 2017, they replaced with another mascot, Tony the Landshark. Now, they say they don't use it on the sideline as much now. At the end of the day, Ole Miss doesn't know who they are, but we do know this. They are the Ole Miss Rebels. Well, speaking of land sharks, Ole Miss, the only school in the country to have an anthropomorphic shark as their mascot. They've been the Rebels, the Bears, the Sharks, tying Auburn for the most mascots in the SEC. The common greeting on campus is Hotty Toddy, which was first published in 1926, but it was spelled Heidi Tidy, which suggested that the origination was from Virginia Tech's regimental band, the Heidi Tidies, which is not surprising at all because where the love is gone, what they play at baseball games, that was copied from Miami. And then Win the Day was copied from Oregon. And of course, Hotty Toddy, copied by Virginia Tech, nothing is original up there in Oxford. Ole Miss claims three national championships in football, 
The NCAA and the Associated Press recognize none of those, all of them bestowed upon Ole Miss through other forms. Mississippi State does boast a national championship recognized by the NCAA in a major sport. That was just a few months ago in college baseball. Shepard Smith, formerly of Fox News, is a graduate of Ole Miss. That's all you got to know. And in fairness, I'll give one kind word to a former graduate of Ole Miss. John S. McCain Sr., originally from Carroll County, became a pioneer of naval aircraft. He's buried at Arlington National Cemetery. He died four days after the Japanese surrender in World War II. And Ole Miss has a 10-acre spot in the middle of the campus that they use for tailgating with candelabras and chicken tenders from the Oxford Exxon. Charlie, I can't do this anymore. I can't say anything nice at all. I'm done. I'm out. All right. Well, one last thing. After simulating a dog peeing in the end zone, the University of Mississippi said this of Elijah Moore, this incident does not reflect in any way the type of student athlete on our football team or the culture of respect that permeates our locker room. Reminder, Moore not the first player to do that. Query what constitutes a culture. Well, Bart, that's our first ever Wednesday edition of the Friday Tracks Plus Deep Dig. All right, closing thoughts. We going to win this thing? I think you said we were. Yep, we're going to win this thing. And here's here's the reason why, Charlie, is right now we are playing well. Ole Miss is a good football team. Are they the ninth best team in the country? They may be. Who knows? I mean, everybody is beatable this year in college football. Now, could Ole Miss come out and win this game by 21 points? Absolutely. Could we win this game by 21 points? Absolutely. But here's the thing that I look at. Only two times this year in the previous 11 games have they played a game that ended as a one-possession game. Two times all season long, and that's it. We have been a team that has been locked into close games. I think that's big for us. They had Arkansas and Tennessee. We just had one a couple of weeks ago where we were tied against Auburn and having to come back. I think that's one of the big key factors in this game is our team knows what it's like to play in close games late. And I think that's one of the reasons you're going to see us pull it out at home in the fourth quarter. This is not pessimism, what I'm about to say. It is a concern rooted in experience. I do not like senior days. Much like Sam I am, thought of green eggs and ham, I think of senior day. I do not, would not, cannot, I don't like them. And why do I not like them? Because I do not like forcing people to become emotional, particularly in the sense of getting in touch with the sentimental side of their emotions. I want guys ready to play football, not to hug their mothers. And I appreciate all you moms out there. No disrespect. I like guys hugging their moms after games, not before. I just think that football is a violent sport. It is a dangerous sport. It is an emotional sport. And I don't think we help things by giving out flowers, hugging sister, grandma, friends, fiance, want to be fiance, what have you. I want to get ready to play football. If there is one solace I can take in connection with Senior Day, though, it is this. If there is anything to be said about this group of players, I think it is to say that they have been remarkably unemotional, unlike some teams have passed who they get all worked up. But let's be honest, Dak Prescott wasn't ready to play that football game, not in terms of doing the work to be prepared, 
But by the time we put him on the Jumbotron and have 60,000 people cheering for him and hugging friends and all this stuff, it just gets you in the wrong spot mentally. I do think, though, if we want to give Mike Leach credit, I think he creates an unemotional team that focuses very much on the next play. I'm hoping that's what we see tomorrow. If we don't, then prepare for the rant of all rants about Senior Day on Friday morning. Hey, I'm down with it. I'll listen to it. I may nod along a little bit more too, Charlie. Hey, I enjoyed it. Hey, I got to run, man. Me and Richard Williams, we're about to uh, to play each other in some tennis, and then we're going to go do, uh, do a little kayaking. Yeah, I expect that's right. Yeah, have another margarita while you're at it. And uh, Bart, enjoyed it. That's the wraps. We'll be back with everybody on Friday. How early, we don't yet know. We'll see what kind of mood we're in. But we will be here on Friday, and uh, let's hope for a good day between now and then. All right, Charlie. It's got to be early because I've got a yoga session scheduled for the beach at 10 a.m. That's not an image you wanted to see, is it? No, I'm going to struggle. Hopefully our team will get that out of their mind too. All right, see everybody Friday.